Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of True Chat, a community podcast made music production. I am your host, Joy of Joyful Sounds. This is the third episode, and this week's episode is entitled Women of Inglewood Speak Out. Before we dig deep into today's topic, I have a couple of announcements for you. True Chat will be down next Friday, January 10th, and will return Friday, January the 17th, with more from Inglewood's younger generation about the changes they would like to see in the community and their contributions to them. Also, this is just the first episode of Women Speak Out. You might as well call it Women Speak Out Part (laughs) 1. Throughout this journey of True Chat, there will be more episodes that you'll hear from the women of Inglewood speaking out and telling their stories. Greetings and welcome back to another segment of True Chat. Today's episode titled Women of Inglewood Speak Out, you will hear the voices of Toy Hutchinson of the Office of Governor J.B. Pritzker. Also, Deputy Director, Officer of Minority Economic Empowerment, Ms. Diana Alfaro. This conversation was recorded at a town hall meeting held by Stephanie Coleman for the 16th Ward. True Chat's second segment will feature our main interview being with Ms. Tina Hammond, the mother of Inglewood, as she gives us insight and shares with us her experiences of doing business, as well as what everyday life is like here in Inglewood for her and her family. I am very happy to say that throughout True Chat's journey, we will be following these women and the progression of the work that they're doing. So without delay, Ms. Toy Hutchinson.
start talking about um, the program, the Canvas program, the medical program to uh, USC. You learn from them and they learn from you. And that's the way it worked. So when um, we looked at what was going to be in the social equity portion, we thought maybe they would do a little bit more. And so we threw everything at the wall. We asked for delivery <laughs> 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 um, And we had to go some of those things, maybe table some of them, maybe come back in January. I'll be talking about it in January if anybody wants to join in this review. Um, so that's some of the things that we do, but also we do a lot of education. Does anyone have any education, campus education classes? I see Are there age parameters on this on business on this business? 21. Like you have a, have to be a certain age. Twenty one. Still, I'm a part-time police officer still for Marionette Park. And I, but this is really important because here's the problem right now. My chief came to me and he tasked me with trying to figure out how we're going to protect people's rights because right now in the law enforcement field, we have no idea. This is when the residents of each of these communities begin to create or set the laws based on behavior. 
This is a perfect example of a higher knowing on how and when we begin to create our own realities. How do we protect the rights of the citizens? How do we protect the rights of the minorities? We have no base right now. I'm literally going from seminar to seminar. I was with him in Chicago State, him in Chicago State, trying to learn for my chief and several other chiefs in the suburban departments, what do we do? Right now, what is law enforcement's source to protect the rights of the citizens and individuals. So there's a charge mm -hmm. is to be on the database, mm -hmm. to be the uh, kind of convener and provider of information and training to local police departments across the state. This is something that is evolving. And I always go back to say you know, there's also a prosecutorial discretion. Like all of these officers that are sworn to protect and serve and to do it in a way that's fair for the We expect to be protected and served too. Right. The question that you're asking is one that needs to be turned back to more common. Part of that is what role law enforcement play as this changes the country. Right. I can't answer that. Representative Hart can't answer that. None of us sitting here can answer that. Uh, good evening, first of all, let me introduce myself. My name is Paul Stewart, our constant writer on Mary Lightfoot and Candace Corbett from the city of Chicago. These sisters are doing such a great job. Yeah. We have seven districts throughout the city, and we're only allowed to accept this dispensary. District as of now. We've also given ourselves the flexibility to increase that number to 14 after the first licenses come out. We wanted to see where the initial licenses and the initial medical dispensaries decided to place themselves. We also didn't have nothing just to get the goal into any community and take up all the um, good real estate, if you would. Right? So after the new licenses are issued on May 1st, just heard a few good black women 
tell their stories of how they're creating a win-win for us all. Not just black people, but for the rest of the world. And it's starting right here in Inglewood. Sort of remind me of Hidden Figures. <laughs> and in this next section, you'll hear how inclusion plays an important part in this piece. Here's what Michelle Norris had to say at the Upswells conference this year regarding racial equity. As I can see these same words being used as it relates to women's empowerment. So when you think about diversity and inclusion, I have an ask of you. If it is important to you, or even if it's not, but I hope that it is because you're here. If it is important to you, try to talk about these issues without using the word. Try to talk about race without using the word. Try to talk about identity without using the word. Try to talk about inclusion without using the word. Try to talk about equity without using the word. If you said that equity is important to my organization but you couldn't use the word, what would you say instead? I'm literally asking. The acoustics are good in the room. Anyone, what would you say? Liberation. Liberation is important. Fill out the sentence. What would you say? Justice. Justice. Full participation. Full participation, and I think I heard community. Welcoming. Welcoming. Respect. Love. Love. Access. See, once you get going, you can't stop. But if you talk about the concept, and it is not just a concept, to think about something. Imagine a world where people thought in the broadest possible way about inclusion and diversity. Because the reality is in America today, most people who are in significant positions of leadership are there because they successfully avoided this issue. So let us imagine a world where there are incentives to do this work, where this work is valued, where this work is rewarded, where the people who move into leadership are given enough grace to take risks and to continue to move forward even if they make missteps or say the wrong thing. Imagine a world where people in leadership have courage and confidence and cultural competency around these issues. And in order to do that, that means working across difference. And I believe that that requires sharing our stories and sharing our narratives. Happiness, where are you? It's been a long time. I'm looking between the lines and damn, it seems so hard to find. When are you gonna be mine, happiness? When are you gonna be mine? I want to blame the world for this state of mind I'm in. I feel like a little girl with a spear in my hand. The same little girl you motherfuckers couldn't stand, rising to the top faster than any man. Still quick, feel strong, really never looking better. Thighs thick, lungs long. They say, how you keep it together? You look so good, I wish I could. And I tell them, sister, you can, you from Inglewood. I wrote that piece after one of my self-love workouts at the gym. A sister complimented me. We must lift each other up. I'm here with Miss Tina Hammond at our, her daycare center. Yes. In Inglewood on 68th and Polina. And Polina. Um, as Joyce said, my name is Tina Hammond. I am a 43-year uh, resident of Inglewood. Um, my husband and I have been a homeowner for... 17 years on this block. Um, I've been doing childcare for 34 years, but doing it in my home for 12 years. Um, we are active in our community in terms of being involved with our aldermen 
as well as volunteering in other aspects of the Inglewood community. What do you do the most out of all? Because you wear a lot of hats. I do. <laughs> I would have to say the most present is um, basically trying to take care of this block because we don't have an active block club. So um, my husband and I, I tell people we are the block club because mm -hmm. we're the ones cleaning and you know, if we see some guys that's not doing, um, you know, the right thing, we're trying to talk to them and get them to do the right thing, trying to um, bring resources to this community. So the biggest thing is being a homeowner, not just having a home, but taking pride in your home and, taking, and, and making sure that the outside of your home is clean because um, that says a lot about our community that, no matter how little we have, we have to take pride in what we have and keep it clean. Right. Take care of what you do have. Yes. <laughs> take pride in what you do have. Um, yeah, that's a big thing for me because that's one of the things that uh, I've been videoing on my blog. Just the, the progress, the process and the progress mm -hmm. of how uh, litter, how we're taking care of ourselves. Just yes. how we're taking care of just the plot right in front of your house. Right. <laughs> you know? What issues or concerns exist in Inglewood do you feel that are most important to you? Okay, because I live on the West Inglewood. This is the West Inglewood side. Um, right now, we have very little economic development on this side. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a gro we have several grocery stores now. We have a um, Food for Less, which was the first major grocery store after years of not having one. Before you go too deep into that. For those that may not be or may not understand what economic development means. When I say economic development, I mean businesses, not just liquor stores, beauty shops, yes. barber shops, uh, gas stations. I mean restaurants like sit down, not just Greasy Spoon, <laughs> like a Panera, um, a Chipotle, healthy um, foods, <laughs> um, a Fridays. Things that what we family uh, restaurants where we can go and sit down and have the option to have a healthy meal as opposed to everything being greasy, being fried, being processed food. That's what I mean. Uh, Are we questioning now why our community is overweight and unhealthy and depressed? Business cleaners, laundromats, things like that. You all remember when we owned our own barbershops and cleaners and laundromats? I remember getting my prom dress sewn by my aunt who had her own seamstress business on the side. What have you seen take place in Inglewood that may have been um, moving towards lifting Inglewood up or, or making it the Inglewood that you want to see? Um, when they built the... Uh, rebuilt Kennedy King College. I graduated in 2001 from the old Kennedy King College. And that building, it was made so funny, the way you have to go through the building. And so when they tore it down, it was like, part of me was sad because that was the Kennedy King that I went to. And then um, my daughter went to, I believe, the new Kennedy King. So the new Kennedy King is beautiful. So once they built that, it brought back memories of what 63rd and Halstead used to look like when I was growing up as well as when I became, because I really didn't start um, shopping on 63rd and Halstead until I became a young adult. So 
to see the school built, to see the Whole Foods and the mall go up, that's showing signs of positive things coming the Inglewood side. And then on my side, we have grocery stores that we didn't have because we are a food desert. And a food desert means that we don't have grocery stores. We didn't have grocery stores on this side for like miles. The closest grocery store was on uh, 95th and Ashland. Uh, the jewels that we had on, on Western closed. So we didn't have a major grocery store. So now we do. We have a, a, a Food for Less. We have a Aldi's and we have a Walmart. But we still need more because if you think about it, it's not just this area that doesn't have stores. So we have people that come from all around, from the 70s, from the 80s, over east, because mm -hmm. the, basically the south, this part of the south side is a food desert. So I see several Pete's markets, Cermac uh, market, a lot of grocery stores in our Mexican neighborhoods. And when I say it's like after every 10 blocks on every major street, like Kedzie, Pulaski, Cicero, it actually starts right at California. So I'm wondering why is it that these stores, these grocery stores don't want to move more inside of Inglewood? We're looking for you. We need you. Come on in. Are there any black-owned grocery stores? Where are you all? We need you in Inglewood. Mm -hmm. So before we started this interview, we listened to um, a chapter out of the book called Gang Leader for a Year. And I've been referencing that book throughout the different interviews that I've had. Mm -hmm. And in that chapter... There was one section where he talked about his, astound his astonishment to witness a preacher, a cop, and a building manager facilitate a fatal disputes that took place in and around the community. First, I want to ask you, do you see, based on what you heard, do you see or a mirror of that happening in Inglewood? And if so, why do you think that these things are still taking place? I see, I see some of that um, happening because I, Commander Johnson, who's no longer with the 7th District, but the difference with Commander Johnson was, out of all the commanders that we had had before him, he was really one of the ones that really wanted to know the people in the community mm -hmm. and didn't want to just say, okay, if you go over here, this area or this block, everybody over here is bad. You know, he wasn't that person. He would speak with you as you were a human being and not like you were less than him because he was a commander. He wanted the, the officers to speak with you and, and know that you were present when they rode through your community. He wanted that. He wanted them to say, that's Miss Hammond, the lady in the daycare. That's Miss Jones over there. He didn't want them just to drive through our neighborhood and act like we didn't exist. So even if it wasn't the gangs at the table, he wanted officers and community to come together to say, how can we work together mm -hmm. to make the Inglewood that the media talks about, the negative part, how can we show them that you all are not against us, that we can work together. We have our differences and we may not agree on everything, but we can sit down and have a common ground to change the narrative of what people say and what people think about Inglewood. So, it, like I said, it may not be the gang members at the table, but they were also welcome. 
So we would have meetings, not just the CAPS meetings. I mean meetings where the ministers, mm -hmm. the residents, and the police officers, the commanders, the faith-based were at the table saying, this is what we want and this is what we know that we have to do to get it. Do you feel that that, that element was missed or is, be, is missed now? Because this, this story is now like Robert Taylor home has been going for Forever. Yeah, now. Yes. It seems like yesterday, but... Yes. <laughs> and, and you know what's really funny is that so many things, when I think about the Robert Taylors, the people that I knew that lived in the Robert Taylors and the gang activity and when they tore them down and then, in a sense, Inglewood became worse because Robert Taylor was promised that once we tear the projects down, we will have housing for you all, which was a lie. That was really just to get them out. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to build over here. And once we build, you all can come back. Well, we see if you drive through there now. There's only one building in a part of where the Robert Taylors were torn down. And that's a fitness place. So it's like all this land has been vacant for all these years. And you promised the people they could come back. And then you know that wasn't true. It was just something, again, what they do to us. You tell us what you think we want to hear, and then you really do what you want to do. So I think that it seemed like we get so close to being on the right track, and then something happens to pull us back. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we're nowhere near is where we should be in, in, in terms of trying to get the gangs to stop the, all this killing. Because at the end of the day, if, you, if you're killing all of us, what is going to be left of the African-American culture? Because you're killing your own. You're killing children. You're killing senior citizens. It doesn't matter. I mean, we, we've had so many people that have lost their lives due to senseless and unnecessary violence. So it's like, and there's so many layers to, if you ask them why are they doing it, and some somebody will say, you know what, there ain't nothing else to do. And I'm just thinking, who just woke up one day and said, I'm just going to kill people. <laughs> That's, you know, I'm just going, what you want to be when you grow up? No child has ever told me, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to kill people. Oh, I'm not going to grow up because I'm going to get shot. So I'm just thinking, like, what happened in your life that made you feel like getting a gun was the answer to solving a problem? Because if you kill them, then somebody's going to come back and kill you. And then you say you're doing it to take care of your family. So if you're saying you have a girlfriend or you have children or you have a mother... And you're doing what you're doing. You're selling the drugs and you're killing and hurting people to take care of your family. Well, if you're dead or if you're in jail, who's taking care of your family? Who is taking care of your family? Fellas, what is your Nia? What is your purpose? Why are you doing what you're doing? Do you know? Truly grateful for the women of Inglewood who decided to devote themselves and commit their time to finding information to keep our young folk informed. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be imperative to get them back to the table for these discussions. Um, I think about, when I think about the gang leaders or just gangs in general, mm -hmm. I think of organization, what they were created for in the beginning, mm -hmm. you know, and they were created to protect us or mm -hmm. to give us uh, a united front against a system that wasn't designed for us but about us. Right. And I think that um, 
a lot of a lot of the things that we've gone through, we've taken our ourselves out of having these conversations and teaching it to our children. So at the end of the day, dude, it, it, it is a business, it's an organization. Right. But, but it's not being ran like a real business. Right. You know what I mean? So it's just a matter of us knowing as well and taking ownership. And everybody needs to take 100% responsibility. No, mm-hmm. let's stop pointing the finger. Right. Period. Even when it even when it is. But at this point, I'm just going to say what I'm going to own. And I'm going to come to this table and we're going to sit and we're going to talk about And you about have it. to be, once you get to the table, you have to be honest and open and willing to say the behavior that I've been exhibiting is unbecoming. And how am I going to change it so my children and my children's children know me for being more than just somebody who was always causing problems. Yeah. You know, always doing wrong, always going to jail. I want them to know that we are better than that. Even because I even think about when I was growing up and the gangs that I knew about. The L. Rookins, the disciples, mm-hmm. and the things. We always had games. But I can't tell you, none of my friends got killed from them shootings. If they had disagreements, however they settled them. It, it, it didn't happen on the streets. It was nobody. We had to run in the house and worry about, oh, my God, they beefing, they into mm-hmm. it. It just didn't happen. However they did it, they did it. The L. Rookins were the ones they're going to protect. We out here doing what we doing. We looking out for our sisters, our queens. Yeah. Now we just Selling. your mama fair game. Exactly. Your mama <laughs> fair game. Your kids fair game. It doesn't yeah. matter. And and where did it come from? Because games wasn't set up to destroy. You're not supposed to be destroying yourself it's you, and your community. Right. <laughs> you destroying your community, and you're saying, "But I gotta get this paper. I gotta get it." But are you really getting it? Because if it's ten or fifteen of y'all in it. Are all y'all selling drugs? Are all y'all reaping the benefits? Because all y'all not making money. And if so, why don't look like it? All y'all not making money <laughs> because you're eating out of the same 30-cent bag of chips. You're still walking. You're not even in a car. You don't even have a place to live. You're living with your mother. So if this job that you say is so great, what can you put your hand on that you say, I bought other than a pair of shoes? You have, And for years, you've been standing on this same corner. But you can't say, I bought a building. I bought a laundromat. I opened up a restaurant. Like, what are you doing? Your life, your time. Your time is just as valuable to me as money. Because you can't get time back. I can't get time back. I can't go back and say, girl, you know how many years I was standing on that corner selling them drugs. And, ooh, you know what I could have been doing. When you think about your friends that started the same path that you started. Somebody went to school and somebody didn't. And you think about it, both of us had, because no, everybody didn't come from two-parent homes. But you had somebody in that house that would put their foot on your neck mm-hmm. and say you out of order. And you this ain't, you're not going to do that up in here. Yeah. And I think when crack was introduced into our community, that destroyed so many families. Yeah, so many. So it, it was like a domino effect. If you take the mother and get her on crack, She's the head of the household because the father, for whatever reason, whether he's in jail, whether he's with another family, if you destroy the head and the kids are looking to the mother and the mama on drugs, how can I respect you? And I'm watch, walking in the room with you having sex with men or you doing whatever you bold enough to do to get this. That's it, Miss Tina. You just, you said it. Like, it, like so it's two things you said in here. That is for me, and I, I have so many more. I have like at least two other questions, but we didn't spend so much time. I love these conversations, but um, 
You said the woman is the head of the household. A lot of times, she... You know, I absolutely agree, especially nowadays. The woman is the head of the household. Though on a deeper level... If you look at any community, any race, any people, you look at the woman and their children... You can see the healthiness and well-being of that entire race. Again, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of True Chat. Remember, tune back in to True Chat on Friday... January the 17th. I am your host, Joy of Joyful Sounds, signing off. Peace. It is like everyone I might see adversity penetrating our communities, creating perceptions that we need to be freed. So it's energy. Yeah. So it's